Father, we give thanks for the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Thank you for he who is our Messiah, the sent one, the one who will provide salvation for the entire world. We thank you for his sacrifice, for the surrender of his life, of everything that he was and had for us. We are grateful this morning, and I pray that it is with grateful hearts that we that we take this moment to pause and to consider your word to us, let its truth rest on our hearts and sink deeply into our minds. I pray that it might change us. I pray that you would open our eyes to understand it, for we know that Isaiah says that your ways are not our ways and your thoughts are not ours, and so sometimes the things that you tell us in your word don't seem to resonate with the way that we typically live our lives. Help us to always remember that means that we need to change our perspective, for your truth is eternal. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but your word lasts forever. We thank you for its standard, we thank you for its consistency and truth, and we pray that it might strengthen us and challenge us this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, folks. You can have a seat. So today at Moss Brook is what is known as Sign Up Sunday. And most churches, if this is not your first church experience, I know that for some of you it is, but for those of you uh, that it's not, you know that most churches have what they call membership. And membership is typically some form of process that you go through if you want to be a part of a church and its ministry. And you walk through that process, and you join that church. Now, typically, membership is understood to last for a lifetime, Uh, or unless you move along for some other reason to another community, another town, or another church, membership just goes on and on. And I'm not saying that there's anything particularly wrong with that. If it's done well, it's honoring to God, certainly. But here at Moss Brook, we've chosen to do things a little bit differently. And so instead of membership, we have what we call partnership. And the guys right now are, are passing out uh, the Moss Brook Partnership Covenant. And I, I, ho- I would like for everyone to have a copy of this, just so that you can see it and look at it and read it. I'm going to just walk down through it here over the next couple of minutes. But... Um, The reason why we do partnership here at Moss Brook instead of membership is it kind of gives us a built-in opportunity every year to revisit the commitment that we're making. You know how it is, right? You make a choice, you make a commitment, and everything is good for a while, and you're down with it, and you're uh, doing it, and you're all in, and, and then after a while, it kind of fades into the background a little bit, because you've got a lot of other things going on, and sometimes we just get to the point where we actually forget the things that we've decided, or forget the things that we've committed to. And so we do a renewal of our partnership covenants every year. So every year, we take this pause, usually in the month of September, And we recommit ourselves to our God, to our church, to each other, and to our shared mission. 
Last week, Pastor Tim was talking to us about the simple mission that God has given to us to see lost people become reproducing followers of Christ. That's the mission of Mossbrook Church. That's the task that he has given us. And so this is our opportunity to recommit ourselves to that mission. And you can see there on that partnership covenant that we've kind of broken that down into four aspects of what we're doing. And so I'm just going to briefly look at them with you and then you can have that and you know, maybe if with one ear and one eye you could kind of pay attention to what I'm saying over the next half an hour, and then with the other eye and the other half of your brain you can kind of go down through this and think about it a little bit more. However you want to work that out is up to you guys. But we've broken this down into a few different things, and, and what we're asking is for people to partner with us in terms of our mission. That is to commit to actively engaging lost people with the hope and the prayer and the goal of seeing them come to Christ. We talk about that a lot, don't we? The people that we work with, sometimes it's the people that we live with or we live next door to, we want to see them become Christ followers. And so we commit ourselves to actively engaging people in that way. We commit ourselves to teamwork. That is that you are willing to give what you have and who you are to this mission. It might be your abilities, it might be your finances, your time, whatever it is, you say, yes, I want to be a part of that with you. Also in terms of mutual care, that is that you're commit to being a part of a small group or an LTG, which is a a two or a three person group that meets for accountability so that you can, two things, care for other people And also be cared for. Because guess what we realize walking through this life? We all need people who know us. And who know our stuff. Do you have somebody in your life that knows your stuff? I mean, not just that they know your name and they know where you live and work, but knows your stuff. The things that are going on, the things that you need help with, the things that you need other people to pray about with you. You're making that commitment to be a part of that so that you can care for others and that they can care for you. And also in terms of service, that is, we we partner together, we commit to to serve each other. When we're here together on Sundays, there's a lot that happens. There's people rolling in here at 7 o'clock to get everything set up, and there's people here till 12.30 or 1, packing it up and cleaning it up afterwards. And there are things that happen during the week, and people have committed themselves to being a part of that and serving each other in that way. And there's other ways that we serve too, isn't there? Out in our community, we serve other people. And by being a partner, you commit to that. So in a few minutes, at the end of the service, we're going to give you a chance. If you want to partner with us, and I I don't expect everyone that has one of these in their hands right now to sign this. Some of you are seeing this for the very first time, and you're wrapping your mind around it, and that's why I want you to have it in your hands so you can think about it and know what we're talking about when we say these things from the front. But for those of you that are ready and want to make this commitment to be a partner with us this year, there'll be an opportunity at the end of the service. You can sign that, you can bring it up and put it on one of these tables a little bit later and commit to being a part of this mission with us. Uh, I know that especially if you're seeing this for the first time or maybe you saw it last week and and you're just being reminded of it again, you're looking down through that and you're saying, Mike, I mean, you know, that's 
that's quite a commitment to make. And I agree. And I'm certainly not suggesting that anyone take it lightly. I don't want you, if you for some reason have this thought in your mind, I don't want you to think that you're going to make me and Pastor Tim and Tom and Robert, our elders, that you're going to make us happy by putting your name on that list. I don't want you to take it lightly because it's not an easy commitment to make. However, I do want to suggest to you this morning that while it's not an easy commitment to make, it is an appropriate commitment to make for someone who is a follower of Jesus Christ. For those of us who have been saved, for those of us who have been rescued, Christ is asking us to follow him in this act of simple surrender of ourselves. Last week, Pastor Tim talked to us about giving it all. And I realized last Sunday as I was listening to him speak, I realized that our definition of giving it all is often different from Christ's definition of giving it all, isn't it? I can easily look at my life, and I'm not pointing any fingers at you. You point your own fingers at yourself. I'll point mine at me, okay? I realize that sometimes I can look at my life and I can say, I'm giving it all. I mean, I'm in good shape here. I mean, I'm here every Sunday. I'm doing it. And during the week, and I'm giving, I'm giving it all. And then I come to passages of Scripture like the one that we're going to look at just in just a moment in Mark chapter 10. And I realize that when Jesus gave it all, <laughs> he gave it all. I mean, everything for you and me. My definition, I'm here every Sunday, I give, I get involved. Jesus' definition of giving it all, the cross, <laughs> a little different than mine. Friends, as a Christ follower, I need to be all in. And as a church, we all need to be in. Did you get that? As a Christ follower, as an individual, I have to make this decision for myself to be all in. But for us, as a church, we all need to be in. So I want to just take a few minutes and see what Jesus has to say about surrender and sacrifice and service and giving it all. And we're going to do that by looking at a few verses in Mark chapter 10. If you have your Bible, you can start making your way there. I'm not going to read the whole passage for the sake of time this morning, but I do want to just kind of bring you up to speed on what's happening when we get to the verses that we're going to read. So in Mark chapter 10, the disciples have walked with Jesus for a while at this point when we see them uh, come on the scene here, Mark 10. And in verse 35, two of Jesus' disciples come to him. Now, these disciples are James and John. And James and John are brothers. And their father's name was Zebedee. Note that one, ladies, for the next time you're looking for a baby name. Zebedee means thunder. 
And so these guys were kind of nicknamed the Sons of Thunder. It's just a little bit of a window, I think, into their personalities. You know people like this, right? I mean, they're out there. They're out there and they're loving every minute of it. They're into it. And James and John, they're walking with Jesus and they kind of feel like they're, you know, getting a grip on how this is working, what's happening, following Jesus. And so in verse 35 of Mark 10, James and John come to Jesus, and I am not kidding, we're not going to read it all because there's too many verses, but I'm not kidding. James and John come to Jesus, and you know what they say? They say, Jesus, we would like you to give us whatever we ask. That's, it's in there, believe me, it's in there. We would like you to give us whatever we ask. And when you read that, when I read that, I think, man, I mean, these guys are bold. They are full of themselves. Can you imagine, can you imagine Dean coming to Jesus saying, Jesus, I want you to give me whatever I ask. I mean, that is, but you know what, I got thinking about that a little bit this week. I read it over and over and over, and I'm like, man, these guys, these guys. And then I'm saying, man, Mike, (laughs) because that's what I do a lot of times when I pray. I come to Jesus and I say, Jesus, give me whatever I ask. This is what I want, Jesus. Listen up, because here it comes. So you know what they wanted? They wanted Jesus to tell them that they could sit one on either side of them when they all got to heaven. They at least had one thing right, that Jesus was going to be on the throne in the middle, but they said, hey Jesus, how about James sits on the left and I sit on the right? We'll be a team. We'll be there. Just the three of us. It'll be great. Jesus responds to them in those verses, and he says, uh, you guys don't know what you're asking. And by the way, that's not how this works. (laughs) That's not how it works. And Jesus has a teachable moment here with all of his disciples, which is what we're going to read here in a second. And what has been exposed by this little exchange between James and John and Jesus is the universal problem of self-focus. That was a problem, James and John. They were just thinking about themselves. Jesus, give us whatever we ask. And it doesn't matter if that means that These other people will not get what they ask or what they need. Just give us what we ask. And that's a problem for all of us, isn't it? It's the universal problem of self-focus. And so Jesus takes the opportunity to set a few things straight in regards to service and sacrifice and surrender. 
So here we are. Mark 10, 42. So Jesus called them to him. That's all the disciples. So Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Let's pause there for a second. Most people, and I know this is going to sound very mercenary and very harsh and very, you know, general, but just think about it. On some level, most people do what they do to get what they can get, right? I mean, would you agree with that on a general, in a general sense? Most people do what they do to get what they get. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. You know, he says, the Gentiles, that is the world, those outside of the kingdom of God, they do what they can to obtain a certain position in some area or facet of their lives, and then they lord it over the people that they're over. In other words, they get other people to serve them. We all do this, by the way. I know that you're sitting there thinking, man, oh man, if you knew my life, I'm not the boss of anything. Well, you're the boss of something in some area of your life. I know that you are because we all are. In some aspect. What's in this for me? How does this affect me? Don't we ask ourselves that question many times? Many times a day, I do. I certainly do. Now, some of you in the room here are not going to remember this, but I will date myself and tell you that in the 80s, that glorious decade, in the 80s, Burger King came out with this brand new nationwide marketing scheme. And you know what their logo or their, their slogan was? Oh, I'm not the only one who was around in the 80s. Have it your way. Have it your way. And you know what they were saying? They were saying that I now had the right to go into Burger King and walk up to the counter and say, I want that Whopper but I don't want onions on it, and I don't want pickles on it, and I don't want mustard on it, but I want extra ketchup and a second slice of cheese. So there, I can have it my way. For all you kids in the crowd, you didn't used to be able to walk into a fast food restaurant and tell them what you wanted. You just walked up and they said, you'll like it. That's just the way it was. Here it is, take it or leave it. Always took it. (laughs) But Burger King changed that. I don't know if they know that they changed the landscape of consumerism for decades. Have it your way. And we were, I mean, we used to go over to Burger King, didn't we, Tim? I hate to really think about that time in our lives, but we did. We would hop in the car after church on Sunday if somebody could get their parents' car, and we would drive across to Burger King because there was a Burger King in Holton that was kind of a big deal. And we could have it our way. Man, it was amazing. We don't even think about that now, do we? You know why? Because that's just our culture. 
You can go into Starbucks. I didn't count them, but somebody else did. You can go into Starbucks, and there are, I'm not kidding, 80,000 combinations of coffee and latte and cappuccino that you can get in one store. You know, venti, half-calf, no-foam, light cream, non-fat, sugar, something with ice and a sprig of cinnamon. There are 80,000 combinations that you can get. And it all came from Burger King telling us we could have it our way. Listen, guys. Our entire culture is consumer-oriented. And that's great for running a business. But we have brought that mentality into our view of faith and into our view of the church. And as Christ followers, we view ourselves as consumers instead of servants. We come into church and we say, the music's too loud, the music's not loud enough, that song was too fast, that song was too slow, they didn't sing my favorite one, the pastor wanders around too much, I wish he'd just stand still. He doesn't read the Bible enough, he reads it too much, he said something that hurt my feelings, the people at the back didn't say hi to me. And we view, we've taken that consumer mentality that's in the world... And we brought it into our faith, and that's how we view the church. And we're consumers instead of servants. Look at verse 43 and 44. Jesus says, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be the slave of all. You know what Jesus said? This is what Jesus was saying to them. Jesus said, guys, not just James and John now, all of them. Remember, he gathered them all because who has the problem of self-focus? All of us. It's the universal problem of self-focus, okay? Okay. He gathers them all together and he says, guys, you've got it backwards. You've got it backwards. Jesus saved us so that we might in turn serve other people. This is why sometimes when we're talking, and I don't know who said this first, if it was Tim or Tom or me or we read it somewhere and then forgot who said it so that we could claim it or what, but... This is why sometimes I call this Jesus' upside-down kingdom. This is upside-down kingdom because what you thought was right is really left, and what you thought was up is really down. Jesus said, look, the goal of the Christian life is not to get other people to minister to you. It's to minister to other people. It's to serve other people. That's the goal. In the world, we're told that in order to have what we need and what we want, we should consume and collect. And we need to go after what we want and look after ourselves. But Jesus says the opposite. He says, 
if you want to have it all, you must give it all. And if you give it all, then one day you will have it all. 11 or 12 years ago when Melody and I did Financial Peace University with Robert. We did it in Robert and Christie's living room. Dave Ramsey, if you've never done this, I'm not, he didn't, Robert didn't ask me to plug this FPU again while I was speaking, but it is great. And he has all, if you've never seen him, he is, he is really fun to watch, to listen to, but he's really in your face too. And one of the things he said that has always stuck with me, one of his famous lines is, If you live like no one else, then one day you'll live like no one else. And he's talking about being responsible with our finances and not being burdened by debt and have our hands tied with all these financial commitments. But Dave Ramsey got it from Jesus. That's what Jesus is saying. If you're willing to live like no one else now, one day in eternity, guess what? We're going to live like no one else. We're going to be in glory with Jesus. My group is reading through Revelation right now, and and, uh, we're in the really rough part (laughs) right now. I mean, we're reading, we're like, oh, man, this is crazy. Everything that's going to happen on this earth. Next week, we're going to start reading about the good stuff. What heaven is going to be like. Jesus says, guys, I'm calling you to a different kind of life. Who does that? Who does that? Slave, servant, those are strong words. But he's calling us to a different life. Look at verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. If anyone ever had the right to be served, it was Jesus. Because he literally did create the entire world. He literally is the king of this world and of this earth. And so if anybody could have said, hey, you, serve me, it would have been Jesus. But he didn't do that. He gave us an example of servanthood. Jesus did it, and he asked us to do it. The world's path is always me first, but Jesus' path is self-denial. It's always self-denial. Following Christ requires Sacrifice. It requires service or it's not following Christ. You can't say, hey, Jesus, I want to sign up for the non-self-denial track. You can't do that, guys. Because if you're not sacrificing and you're not serving, you're not following Christ. We have to look at it that way. We have to understand that. The path to pleasing God 
is always selfless service. It's always sacrifice. It's always surrender. That's why Jesus was constantly using phrases like lay down your life and lose your life and take up your cross and leave your family and friends behind. Folks, if you are a Christ follower, you need to be all in. And as a church, we all need to be in. Are you willing to give it all? Your hopes, your dreams, your ambitions, your time, your resources, your family, your pain, your secrets, your thoughts, whatever it is that you're hanging on to and saying, this is just mine. What are you willing to do? My purpose here this morning is to challenge you to show your love for Jesus like you never have before. Did you hear what I said? I want to challenge you to show your love for Jesus like you never have before. Not say how much you love Jesus, although we do that too, don't we? We do it. It's important. But I'm challenging you to show it. Show it by the way that you live your life, by the choices that you make. Jesus loves you so much that no cost was too high. No price was too great. Jesus was all in on you. And in turn, he calls us to be all in. I mean, consider his example, the sacrifice that he made for us on the cross. That's why I say my definition of all in is one thing, but but Jesus' definition of all in is the cross. What sacrifice is that going to prompt in you, if any? Can you look Jesus in the face? Can you look Jesus in the face and see what he has given for you and then turn and live your life the same old way? I don't know. Can you? That's what you have to ask yourself. We need to be all in. We need to be all in for sanctification. If you've been around, you know we've kind of come up with a simple definition of sanctification. It's progressing in holiness, becoming more and more like Jesus. We need to be all in for that too. The more completely we immerse ourselves in God's word, the more quickly and completely we'll change. Sometimes we find ourselves in that spot, right, where we're just going around and around and around because we're not in the Word. If God's going to transform you, if He is going to change your heart and mind to be the person you need to be, it's not going to happen in a couple minutes a day or a couple of times a week. We need to be all in for sanctification, and we need to be all in for service. By the way, we can't be all in for service unless we're all in for sanctification, 
You can say, oh yeah, you know, I, I want to serve, I want to help, and we do a little bit here or there, but the commitment doesn't hold, it doesn't last, it breaks down. Because God is not changing us. He's not transforming us. Because remember, this is a different way to live. This is not natural. We can't just say, oh yeah, I'm going to be a part of that, I'm going to commit to this, and expect that it's going to hold just by our own willpower because we're not wired this way. We're not wired to spend 12 hours on the fairground in the sun yesterday and then get up at 7 o'clock in the morning and come here and set up sound equipment. We're not wired that way. Why do we do that? Why did those guys do that? Some of the same guys that were in the parking lot till 8 o'clock last night were setting this up at 7 o'clock this morning. Why? Because they love it? Because they like it? Because they like six hours of sleep? No, because they're all in, because God is changing them in changing the way they think. Loving God means loving people. Loving God means loving each other. Loving God means loving the lost. And loving other people the way that God does means being willing to give up what's yours. The world would say, hey, if you're working all day doing this, then Sunday morning, that's yours. We say, no, it's not mine. It's God's. I'm going to use it to serve people. And that's what we're doing when we sign this covenant. Can I ask you this? Where's the kingdom for which you're living? Where's the kingdom you're living for? Because we have thousands of years of examples that tell us that any kingdom that is built here with this stuff will collapse. I mean, if you're a student of history at all, how many civilizations, how many kingdoms, how many governments, how many people groups have just, have just disappeared? They don't last. Friends, kingdoms built in this world with this world's stuff do not last. And I know you may be sitting there and thinking, hey, hey, I don't want a kingdom. <laughs> I don't have those grandiose designs. I don't need a whole bunch of people under me. I don't need the, I don't, I'm not looking for a kingdom. All I want to do is do my job, come home, relax, have my family around, maybe take a vacation once in a while. That's your kingdom. Whatever it is that you're building here, that's your kingdom. In order to live for the one to come, you've got to give up the one that you're working on here, right now. You can't have both. You can either build one here, or you can follow Christ and help him build the one he's building for later. It's one or the other. The band is going to play a song for us while they do. If you want to be a part of what we're doing together, you feel like God wants you to sign that covenant with us and be a partner, then while we're singing this song, while the band is playing that song, you can just sign it, walk up, put it on the table. No fanfare, nobody's watching, taking pictures or anything like that. We're just making a commitment. These little plastic Amazon tables are altars this morning. And we're saying we want to be a part of this 
we're all in. If you want to do that, you can do that through that first song, and we'll sing these together. In 1781, British General Cornwallis had retreated to Yorktown. He was surrounded. It was almost the end of the Revolutionary War between the not-quite-yet United States of America and the British Empire. And Thomas Nelson, who was the governor of Virginia at the time, who also was a signer of the Declaration of Independence, was with the Patriots who are firing cannon into Yorktown to try and stamp out this last little flame. And he was standing with the gunners, and he said, Guys, see that big brick house? That's mine. It's the nicest house in town. I know that Cornwallis and his officers will have used it to set up their headquarters. Take it down. And they started firing on Nelson's own house. The story, I don't know if it's true or not, but the story is that first cannonball went through a window and landed on the dining room table where some of the officers were having dinner. But they raised that building. And on October 19, 1781, Cornwallis and the entire British army surrendered. And the world's greatest superpower was defeated by a bunch of ragtag farmers, half of whom didn't even have boots without holes in them. You see, Nelson knew that in order to get the life that he dreamed of, he would have to be willing to lose everything that he had at the moment. Guys, how do you thwart an army that is willing to give up everything they have for something infinitely better that is not yet? The answer, you can't. You don't. Certainly not when we are on God's side because we've been promised that he will build his church and even the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How do we do that? There's so much around us in our lives, in our homes, in this culture that we love. There's an old hymn that says, The things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You know how we do that? How do we say no to all this stuff? How do we, how do we open our hands and, and hold everything that we have with open hand and say, Take it, God, whatever you want. It's yours. I want to be yours. I want to do what you want us to do. How do we do that? Only one way. That's by fixing our eyes on the one who gave all for us. I need to be all in. As a church, we all need to be in. Father, we are completely unworthy of this grace offered to us, this privilege of being a part of your kingdom. And yet, horrifyingly, we take it all for granted so often. 
We bow here before you this morning as a church, as a family of Christ followers, and we ask that you would forgive us. We ask that you would take what we have to offer, albeit little, use it in a way that only you can, and make it sufficient for the needs of this body, of this community, of this mission that you have given us to see lost people become reproducing followers of Christ. Thank you for everyone in this room, Lord, those who are following you and those that have not yet made that choice. As we walk this out, give us strength and courage, for it is not easy. And for those that have not yet made the decision, Father, I pray that they would see that all that there is to leave behind here pales in comparison to what you have prepared for us. Thank you, Father, for Jesus Christ and his gift for us. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, folks. There's copies of that covenant on the back table if you want to take one home and look at it. Have a great week.